Thanks for checking out Church on the Rock's message this week. We would love to help you take your next step in knowing God better. The best way to do that is visit cotr.org slash next steps. Or if you're not near our physical campus, visit our online community at cotr.org slash online. Enjoy the message and know that God is for you. Well, thank you. Y'all can be seated. Happy Mother's Day. Yay. You know, I'm going to fly home just in time to have dinner with my little girl tonight. My little girl is 26 and about five foot ten. <laughs> I tell her, you will always look up to me. You understand? <laughs> well, ladies, did we have fun this weekend? We had a good time, didn't we? Well, I want y'all to know what an honor and a privilege it is to be here. And, of course, I talked to my favorite preacher last night, Jerry Seville, and he said to send his love to all of you and, of course, to the pastors. You know, my dad and your pastor speak the same language. Classic cars. <laughs> Somebody asked me one time, they said, what kind of classic cars does your dad have? And I said, a red one, a blue one, <laughs> a really old black one. I don't understand all that. But anyway, he sends his love. Um, I'm excited to be with y'all. And I don't know if the ladies, did y'all warn your family about me? Did you warn anybody? Well, I know I don't look like a minister. I don't sound like one. I don't even sound like an adult, much less. <laughs> you know, when I order Domino's pizza, they'll say, does your mommy know you're doing this? <laughs> I always go, no, but my husband does. <laughs> and so, but here's the thing. I'm so glad it's not how you sound that intimidates the devil. It's what's coming out of your mouth, right? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So... Well, I want you to know you're in the right place at the right time with the right people so the right things can happen. In fact, let me tell you this real quick. I, I don't know if y'all have ever heard this before, that they say your environment can stretch you or shrink you, right? In fact, there's a certain fish, which I just happen to have. There's a certain fish, you put them in a small aquarium and they'll stay small. You take that very same fish and you release it into a large body of water and it will grow to its intended size. Well, the article I read said people are the same way. If you stay in a small, limited, harsh environment, you'll stay small. But if you get around people like the people in this church who think big, who dream big, who ask God for big things, you're going to grow to the size that God intended you to grow, right? So you're in the right place at the right time. So I want to share a message with you this morning. This was based on something that happened in my life just not too long ago, about two years ago. I was out walking my big dog, Beauregard. We were out going for a walk, and all of a sudden, I just felt like I heard the Lord say to me, you're not asking big enough. You're not asking big enough. And I thought, did I really hear that in my spirit? So I went home, and I actually wrote that in my journal, and I heard the Lord say, ask me for something big. Ask me for something big. Well, not long after, I was listening to Miles Monroe, and he said the Lord told him, ask me to do something that makes me look like God. Ask me to do something that makes me look like God. So I wrote down what I felt like the Lord said, and he said, ask big and believe it's done. Like, that was it. Just ask me for something big and believe it's done. Well, I want to tell you a story real quick. This was a true story about my dad. Years ago, back in the 80s, 
my dad was doing a lot of work over in Africa. I mean, they were building medical clinics and orphanages and, you know, pastor centers, training centers and stuff. And do y'all remember the famous preacher Oral Roberts? Well, Oral Roberts found out what my dad was doing in Africa, and so he asked him if he could go with him and just see what he's doing, see how he could get involved. Well, my dad was sort of freaking out because Oral Roberts was one of his heroes, and he wants to go with him to see what he's doing. So they get to Kenya, and they had this big event where there's like all these government officials and doctors and lawyers, and the president of Kenya is gonna talk to everybody. Well, behind the podium was a table where my dad and Oral Roberts were sitting. So I want you to picture this. Everybody in the audience can see my dad, right? And Mr. Roberts. Well, as the president of Kenya is talking, all of a sudden, Oral Roberts just grabbed a napkin and he just started writing on it. And he watered it up and threw it in the corner and then he wrote something else, watered it up and threw it. And my dad's kind of glancing like, what is going on? All of a sudden, he hands the napkin to my dad and he goes, read this. Dad opens it up and he goes, I don't know what this says. Or Robert said, read it again. Dad said, I don't understand this. He said, read it again. Dad said, Strebor, Laro? I don't know what that means. You know what Oral Roberts said? That's Oral Roberts spelled backwards. My dad goes, what? You're writing your name backwards? Keep in mind, everybody can see this, right? And he goes, yeah. And dad goes, why? And he goes, because I'm bored. Dad said, you're bored like we bore you? He said, yes. I'm bored by your small thinking and I'm bored by your small plans. Here's my question for you today. Is God sitting up in heaven, <laughs> writing his name backwards <laughs> because he is bored like a dog <laughs> by your small plans, wow. by your small thinking? Now, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just telling you what the Lord shared with me. He said, you're not asking big enough. And then he said to me, if it's in your heart, it's there for a reason. And he said, ask me for something big, right? So let me ask you real quick. I have a Bible right here. Do y'all believe that this is the number one success book ever written? Do you believe everything we need to live our dreams can be found in this book? Well, I want you to listen to what the author said. Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be opened. And then it goes on to say, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Do y'all think that we could seriously be missing out on things because we're not asking God for things? You know, Steve Harvey said that his mom ingrained seven words in him when he was a kid. You have not because you ask not. He said, that scripture, it's not just in rich people's Bibles. He said, it's in your Bible. <laughs> and then he made this statement. Well, he said, most people aren't living the life of their dreams because they're not asking God for the life of their dreams. And then he made this statement. I have to be real careful when I say it. But he said, if you up your ask, God will up his give. <laughs> I have to tell you, my staff started walking around saying, up your ask. And I was like, y'all be careful with that. <laughs> but... What are we missing out on, you know? In fact, I found out there are 33 scriptures in the Bible where God says to ask him for something. You know, when God says something one time, he means it. When he says something 33 times, you better believe he's trying to get your attention, right? So 
I want to break apart this scripture. In fact, let me tell you this one real quick. This is John 16, 24. And it just says, up until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Then he says it again, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So I want to break apart this phrase the Lord gave me where he said, ask big and believe it's done. So that first part, ask. Now, most of you who are in business, you understand the art of asking. That's how you're going to increase sales, right? Well, in fact, years ago, McDonald's trained their staff to ask one more question when somebody ordered a hamburger and a drink. You know what that question is? Would you like some fries with that order? That single question raised their bottom line more than $20 million the first year. Ask and you shall receive, right? In fact, I heard a story about a, a woman, Miss Fields, not the cookie lady, but the heiress to the Marshall Fields department store. So she was a big donor at Northwestern University. Well, one day she gave a million dollars to the University of Chicago. And Northwestern was reading the paper one day and they saw where Miss Fields donated a million dollars to Chicago. So they called her up and they said, why? Did you give a million dollars to the University of Chicago and not to us? What do you think she said? They asked. And then she said this, you didn't. See, I think the saddest day in heaven would be when God gives you a glimpse of everything you could have had, you could have done, you could have been, and you say, why didn't I get any of this? And he says, you never asked. Terry finally learned how to ask, but you didn't ask. So let me, you know, here's my question though. If it's that simple, then why don't we ask? Well, I think a lot of it is because of shame, guilt, insecurity. I don't feel worthy enough. I mean, who am I to ask God for something like that, right? In fact, I want to tell you this story real quick about Tony Robbins. Most of you probably know who that is. Um, years ago, when Tony Robbins wasn't the famous guy we know today, he was just struggling, had pennies in his pocket, nothing in the bank. And uh, Jim Rohn was his mentor. And Jim Rohn began to teach Tony. He said, Tony, you have such a poverty mentality. He said, you don't expect anything from God. He said, we got to change the way you see yourself and the way you see the future. So he said, do you know that God's word says to come boldly to the throne? Do you know God's word says to ask for what you want? And he said, Tony, life will pay you any price you ask of it. So he told him, he said, I want you to go to the bank and I want you to take out $300 from your savings account. He said, even if that's all you've got, take it out, but don't spend it. He said, I want you to put it on the outside of your money clip. So every time you get your money out, you're conditioning your mind to see prosperity, to see abundance, to see wealth. So he began to teach him principles of success like this and other things, you know, and Tony became very successful. Well, years later, Tony Robbins was walking out of a success conference in Boston, and he said this homeless man walked right up to him and just said, Mr., can you loan me some change? So Tony said he reached in his pocket, and he took out some change, and then he thought, wait a minute, I'm going to practice this on this homeless man. So he reached in his wallet, and he grabbed the $300, and he held both of them up to this homeless man, and he said, listen, sir, I want you to know. Life will pay you any price you ask of it. He said, did you know God's word says to come boldly to the throne? Did you know the word of God says to ask and you shall receive? He said that homeless man looked at him 
looked at those hundreds, <laughs> looked at the change, looked back at Tony Robbins, looked at the hundreds again, <laughs> looked at the change, and then he said to Tony, you're weird. <laughs> but that's not all he did. He grabbed the change and he ran off. Now, isn't that sad because you think, why didn't the man just grab the money and run, right? That homeless man asked for what he thought he was worth. He didn't think he was worth $300. And, you know, you hear a story like that and you think, how sad. But what are you asking God for? Are you asking him to put gas in your car or pay off the car? God's the one who told me you're not asking big enough. Right? Start asking bigger. So one of the keys to success is you have to be clear on what you're asking. Now, I don't have time to teach that as far as a business point of view, but you got to be crystal clear on what you're asking. In fact, I remember hearing stories years ago about the late Kenneth Hagin, how he would say he'd see women and different people at the altar praying, and he would gently tap them on the shoulder, you know, and he'd say, sweetheart, what are you praying about? What are you praying for? And he said so many times people would say, oh, nothing in particular. He'd say, then that's exactly what you're going to get. Nothing in particular. I found out you got to be very specific about what you're asking God for. Don't just say, Lord, I'm asking you for increase this year. This is my year for increase. Well, here's 20 bucks and there's your increase, right? <laughs> no, you got to be clear on what you're asking. So let me tell y'all real quick. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but um, a lot of my friends who knew me when I was younger or knew me from 20 years ago, they'll say to me, Terry... Are you shocked at what God has done in your life? Because what God's doing right now, I wasn't even close to doing this kind of stuff 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And they'll say, are you shocked at what God has done? Now, just to give you a quick summary, you know, I grew up in such a strong word of faith home. I was a cheerleader all through school. I was the homecoming queen. I even dated the quarterback. <laughs> but I was hiding so much pain behind a big smile that nobody knew about. I told the women, just in summary, but at 14 years old, I was raped by a guy at a fitness center, never dreamed in a million years I would lose my virginity on a gym floor by a complete stranger. And when that happened, the devil took full advantage of it. I literally thought I was the ugliest person in the world. I thought I was worthless or that wouldn't have happened to me. And, you know, you've probably heard that phrase that you behave in a manner consistent with how you see yourself. If you see yourself as worthless, you'll let people treat you like you're worthless. So I got into an abusive relationship, stayed with the guy for two and a half years because of how bad I felt about myself. Got out of that relationship. And then when I was in college, my senior year, my last semester, right before I graduated, I got pregnant before marriage. And I just felt so ashamed. I borrowed my sister's old wedding dress. My dad and Kenneth Copeland performed the wedding. I felt like the biggest loser, the biggest disgrace of the Savelle family. I walked down the aisle with my head down. I was so ashamed. Three weeks after the wedding, I lost the baby. So I just felt like I've just really screwed up my life. This girl that was happy-go-lucky cheerleader is now the biggest loser. And it wasn't until, and I don't have time to teach all the different things, but I began to make myself listen to faith-building messages every single day, not just on Sunday. 
I said, I'm going to make myself listen to the word of God. So I put CDs in my car on my way to the office and on my way home, on my way to the office and on my way home. I set an alarm on my phone for 20 minutes and I would force myself to read books that would change my thinking. Well, I began to change little by little. I began to learn that successful people, they have dreams and they take the time to write their dreams. So I started writing my dreams and goals. And let me just share with you just a few random examples real quick. I told the ladies this one. But I went in front of a bookstore and I posed in front of a bookstore and I said, I am a successful author. I hadn't even written a book when I did that. But let's listen to what God's word says. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it, and it'll be yours. So should I be surprised that a few months later, a woman approached me and said, hey, I just feel like I'm supposed to represent you as a literary agent and get your books published. Here I am walking in Barnes & Noble and seeing my books on the shelf. Ask and you shall receive, right? Let me give you another just random example. I said, I want my books translated in five foreign languages. I wanted English, French, German, Dutch, and Spanish. So I put a map of Germany in my dream book, and I began praying over it, saying, Lord, I'm asking you for, for you know, opportunities to get all my books translated in these languages. Do y'all think it's a coincidence? Well, first of all, let's see what God's word says. John 14, 14, here's another scripture. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Pretty clear cut, isn't it? Do y'all think it's a coincidence seven months later, I get an email from a man in Germany, says, I want to invite you to come speak at a conference in Stuttgart. And it said, if you agree to come, the publisher of the largest Christian publishing house in Germany wants to meet you and get your books in German. Is that coincidental? And here they are. I think I have six or seven books now translated in German. Ask and you shall receive, right? I put a picture in here. I just went online and printed a picture of uh, public school buildings. And I said, Lord, I want to get our vision board courses in schools so we can teach our young people how to set goals, how to get a vision for their life so they avoid distractions, right? Let's see what God's word says. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Here we are getting our vision board course in schools across America. That's not coincidental, is it? Ask and you shall receive. So you got to be clear on what you're asking. Does that make sense? Okay. My next point is the Lord said, ask big. In other words, stop asking for things that you think are possible. Stop asking for things that you think are possible. I also heard Steve Harvey make this statement. He said, some of you are asking God to help you pay off your debts over the next seven years. He said, think about the God we serve. He created the whole world in six days, and it's going to take him seven years to pay off your debt? <laughs> and then I heard Joyce Meyer say, stop asking God for, like, stop saying just. Like, Lord, if you would just help me pay my rent, if you'll just help me get by another month. You know, that word just means barely enough to get by. She said, stop trying to sound pitiful. And then she said, ask God for everything. If he doesn't want you to have it, he won't give it to you anyway. But she said, I would rather ask God for everything and get 50% than ask for nothing and get 100%. Right? 
So again, Miles Monroe said the Lord told him, ask me to do something that makes me look like God. Something that you can't do on your own, right? So let me remind you of a story. Do y'all remember the story in the Bible where two blind men approached Jesus and Jesus walked up to them and said, uh, what do you want me to do for you? Yeah. Does that seem like a strange question? These are two blind men. <laughs> it's kind of obvious, right? But no, it's not a strange question because Jesus wanted to ask, see how big they could ask because they could have said, Lord, would you just give us some food because we're out here begging for food. Would you just give us some food? Or they could have said, Lord, would you just give us a job so we don't have to beg anymore? But no, they asked the Lord for something only he could do. Would you give us our sight? Here's my question. What if Jesus showed up in your living room tonight and said, what is it you want me to do for you? See, how you answer that question is going to have a big impact on how the rest of this year unfolds. I want you to say, Lord, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I want my debts paid off, $17,456.82, right? I want you to be crystal clear on what you're asking God for. Ask him for something so big. In fact, um, I love this story that Jesse Duplantis tells, and he talked about how everybody, most people, have a place in your life where you choke. For example, I have this dog leash. You know, I take my big dog, Beauregard. I take him on a walk every single morning, and I have a big leash. That, wow, I sound like Joyce Meyer all of a sudden. <laughs> Powerful. Um, but anyway, I have this leash, and Beauregard can go just so far, and then I push a little button, and it puts a little choke on him, right? And it prevents him from going where he wants to go. Well, I heard Jesse Duplantis say that most of us have an area in our lives where we choke. In other words, where does God have to stop blessing you because you can't receive it? It's just a little too much. You choke. And let me give you an example. Let's just talk about in clothing, ladies. Let's say you can imagine spending $200 on a new outfit, but $700, that's just a little too much. You choke. Or a house. You can imagine a $500,000 house, but $3.5 and you choke. Or a ministry or a business. You can imagine a million dollars in revenue, but $25 million? That's just a little too much. So where does God have to stop blessing you because you can't receive it? You choke. It's just a little bit too much. So Jesse was talking about this, and he was telling a story about his daughter, Jody, who's a good friend of mine. And Jody and her husband had just bought a new house, and Jesse and Kathy went over to go see the new house. And when they walked in, it was kind of empty because they're believing God for all the new furniture and everything. And Jesse said, Jody, when are you going to get some rugs on the floor and everything? She said, Daddy, oh my goodness, you got to see what we're believing God for. She brought out a picture of a rug, and she said, we've already picked out the rug. We're just believing God for the money for it, and then it's going to go right there. So her dad said, Jody, I tell you what. Your mom and I want to bless you with a housewarming gift. He said, let's go get the rug right now. She said, Daddy, no. She said, Daddy, I did not show you that picture so you would pay for the rug. It's too much money. I can't let you do that. What do you think Jesse said? Okay. Got in the car and he went home. A couple months went by. 
He went back over to Jody's house. He walked in and saw that she didn't have any curtains on the windows. He said, Jody, your neighbors can see in here. When are you going to get some curtains up? She said, Daddy, oh, my goodness. I picked out fabric, and we're going to get custom-made drapes. So she ran and showed him the picture, you know. And Jesse said, I tell you what. Let's go pick out the fabric today and take it to the man and get the drapes made. She said, Daddy, <laughs> no, it's way too much money. It's not just one window. It's four windows. She said, I can't let you do that. What do you think Jesse said? Okay. Got in the car and he went home. Two years later, Jody got a new car. And she picked up Brother Jesse and took him to lunch one day. While they're driving around, he said, Jody, how much money do you owe on the new car? She said, oh, about 19 or 20,000. He said, which bank did you use? She told him which bank across town. He said, I tell you what, let's go to the bank right now. I'm going to pay off your car. Jody sat there for a minute. She swallowed. She said, Daddy, let the Lord lead you. <laughs> which I love, don't you? <laughs> but you know what Jesse said? He said she finally took the chokehold off. He said that money was waiting for her all that time, but she wouldn't receive it because it was just a little too much. Well, you know, this Bible was written 2,000 years ago. When are we going to take God at his word and receive what he's telling us to receive, right? So, God's the one who said, ask, and it will be given unto you. So, that last part the Lord said to me was, believe it's done. Ask big and believe it's done. So I'm going to wrap it up by showing you five ways you show God that you really believe. You ready? Okay, my first one, and ladies, you'll remember this, my giant pencil. The first way you show God that you really believe, number one, is you envision it. You envision it. And that means you take the time to write down what you're believing God for. Every successful person I've ever studied Every successful person I know writes their dreams and goals. I told the women, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Jim Carrey, Katy Perry, Justin Timberlake, Connor McGregor, Will Smith, Clint Eastwood, they write their dreams. But it came from God's word. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision, make it plain, right? In fact, any of you who are in business, and when I speak at business conferences, I'll ask the crowd and 99% raise their hand have read the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, right? You know, in that book, Napoleon Hill went out and interviewed 500 millionaires to find out what made them so successful. And back then, the millionaires were Alexander Graham Bell, Thomas Edison, John D. Rockefeller, Charles Schwab, people like that. He came back to write the book, and he said, out of 500 millionaires, they have one thing in common that every single one of them do. Guess what it was? They have clearly defined written goals. Don't leave them in your head. Write it down. Got it? Okay. Number two is you speak to the dream. Bible says we serve a God who gives life to the dead, and he speaks of non-existent things as if they exist. You think about if Jesus can speak to a fig tree and command it to wither up, women, we can speak to our metabolism and command it to speed up, right? <laughs> I like that one. You can speak to your marriage and command it to be restored. Speak to your business and command it to flourish. Speak to your bank account and command it to increase, right? But you have to speak to it. This is how we release our faith is with the words of our mouth, right? Number three is you take action towards the dream. You know, the Bible says that faith without action is dead. It's useless. 
I heard a success coach say it like this. He said, the one thing that separates winners from losers more than anything else is winners take action. They get up and do what needs to be done. In fact, I illustrated this with the ladies. I might as well show the men. But I, I brought these little Imagine Big kits. And in this kit, I have um, a book called Imagine Big where I teach you how to start using your imagination. I know the pastor teaches this because I heard you at my dad's and I was like, oh, we speak the same language. But this teaches you how to start setting goals for your life again and start, practice hearing God's voice to know where he wants you to go. And then I have five audios in here where I teach you how to conquer procrastination, how to start asking God for bigger things, how to elevate your desire because desire is the number one motivating factor behind the change in your life. In other words, how bad do you want what you say you want? If you really want to get out of debt, you will find a way to get out of debt. So I'm going to show you how to elevate your desire. And then there's a dreams and goals notebook, just like mine, to put pictures and images of what you're believing God for with scriptures to stand on, where to sow your seed, how to keep track of everything in one little notebook. The reason I'm showing you this is I wanted to ask if anybody feels like this would help you, this little kit. Like it would give you that momentum to really get serious this year. Okay, this sweet girl right here. <laughs> she was ready. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> she took action, didn't she? <laughs> I love that. So the thing is, you know, if you're believing God to go on the mission field or to go on your dream vacation overseas, go get your passport. Start taking action. Buy some luggage. You're believing God for a baby? Start picking out some furniture. You're believing God to get married? Start choosing honeymoon locations. Whatever you're believing God for, start showing God that you're taking action because you believe it's about to happen, right? Number four is you always got to sow a seed for your dreams. I say give a memorable offering. You know, my parents have ingrained in me that you may not have what you need but you're never without the seed that will produce it. So for every dream I've ever seen come to pass in my life, I've sown a seed for it. You know, when we were believing God to start a women's conference called Icing, I sowed seed into Joyce Meyer because she already had a successful conference. Well, two weeks from right now, I'm taking Icing to London, England. Isn't that amazing? But everything, when I was believing God to write books, I sowed seed into other people whose books changed my life because I wanted that anointing on my books. When I was believing God to purchase offices, I sowed seed into churches and ministries who already had offices because I said, I want that, Lord. And then we bought our offices last year. So if you have a dream, you got to sow a seed. And if you're still confused by that, let me show you like this. If any of you are farmers in here, let's just imagine you're believing God for some carrots. And you say, I'm going to take that girl's advice. That girl that sounds like Minnie Mouse, I'm going to take her advice. <laughs> and I'm going to get one of those little dream books so I can keep it organized. But I'm going to put a picture of carrots because she said to put my dreams in writing. So I'm going to put the picture in there and I'm going to start speaking to this. I'm going to go out to the field and speak to it and command carrots to grow up. I'm going to take action. I'm going to go to conferences to learn about growing carrots. How many of you know he's still never going to have carrots until what? You sow a seed for carrots, right? So for every dream in your heart, sow a seed for it. Does that make sense? And then my fifth and final point is to praise God before it manifests. My parents taught me that the highest expression of your faith in God 
is when you praise God before the dream manifests. So what I do every single morning before I ever run out the door to go to the office, I get my little book of dreams out, and I look at each one of them, and I just say, Lord, I thank you for this. Even though it hasn't even happened, thank you, Jesus. And I like to be so convincing, like Pastor was talking about put emotion in it. I like to be so convincing that it freaks the devil out, and he thinks, wait a minute, did it happen? Did I miss something? In fact, my friends can tell you so many times, because France is our mission field, there have been so many times I'm walking through Paris with my friends, you know, and I'll go, I have an apartment in Paris, France. Oh, my gosh. And they'll go, you do? And I'm like, in Jesus' name, I do. Yes. <laughs> but I like to be so convincing that it literally makes the devil go, what? How did I miss this? I didn't know it manifest. So um, let me just remind you of a story in the Bible. Do y'all remember the story of Paul and Silas, how they were, I mean, beat to a pulp, and they've got blood dripping from their body, they've got chains wrapped around their ankles, they're in so much pain, and they're thrown into a cold, dark prison, and all of a sudden, they begin to lift their voices to God and just worship him and praise him and thank him for impossible things, for what they were believing for. Their praise was so loud, it says the other prisoners heard them. And then all of a sudden it says an earthquake was sent from heaven. The walls began to shake, the earth began to crumble, the chains fell off their feet, and the prison doors opened up. Do you know what that means? In the midnight hour when it looks the worst, this is never going to happen. Your debt hasn't gotten any smaller. Your body hasn't changed. The marriage looks worse. The kids look worse. Your job hasn't improved. But you just start praising God as if it's already happened, right? I'm telling you, God is going to send an earthquake into your life and doors are going to open you never dreamed possible. So I want to challenge you today to take God at his word. He said, you have not because you, but then he also said, ask and you shall receive. And in the words of Steve Harvey, if you up your ask, <laughs> God will up his give, right? Do y'all receive that today? Are you going to take it? Well, I believe in Jesus' name that you're going to take it to heart. And I wanted to mention real quick that we do have a few of these left back there. The Imagine Big Kit. If you wait until we're gone and you get it at, on our website, it's $97 for this kit. Five messages, a book, and a Dreams and Goals journal. If you get it here today, we took $30 off. So it's $67 instead of $97. Just to be a blessing. I hope that is a blessing to you. Um, and I'll be back there after the service because I'd love to give you a hug and, and tell you thank you for being here. Um, wait, does anybody else want this one? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> got to brace yourself. These women are wild. <laughs> so is it okay if we close out with some prayer? Yeah. Why don't we all just stand up for a minute? Did y'all have fun this morning? Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to tell you this real quick because I believe that for some of you, this is a defining moment in your life. Yeah. It's not an accident. You were here on Mother's Day. Your mom may have dragged you here. You didn't even want to be here. But I believe it's a divine appointment. And you know, I cannot imagine trying to go after these impossible dreams on my own. In fact, years ago, I put a picture in my dream book 
of, I told the women about this. I got a picture of Joyce Meyer's conference and I chopped off Joyce's head and put my head on top. And I said, I speak at the largest conferences in the world. Well, that was hilarious. Like I started laughing so hard when I looked at the picture myself. Do y'all know last October, I spoke at your dome to 20,000 businessmen and women. It was not a church service. It was a success conference. Yeah, I mean, exactly what I prayed. But, and I couldn't talk about the Lord. I had to teach success, you know. But on Sunday, they said, Terry, we feel like you're supposed to do an altar call. I was like, what? At the dome with all these businessmen and women? They said, yeah, we feel like you're supposed to do an altar call. I did an altar call at your dome. Over 2,000 businessmen and women came forward. Is that amazing? But you know what? I cannot imagine trying to do this without the Lord. I would be so scared. I would feel like such a failure. God had to completely transform my self-image to be able to do this, right? From being that insecure little girl to doing this. Well, have y'all ever watched an NFL football game and you see like a 350-pound linebacker and all of a sudden this little referee that might be five foot six in a black and white striped shirt, 120 pounds, he blows a whistle and all of a sudden that big old linebacker stands at attention. And you think, what kind of power does that little referee have over that big linebacker? Well, that linebacker knows that the moment that ref blows the whistle, he's not coming in his own strength and power. He now has all of the NFL backing him up, right? Do you know that's what happens in your life when you call on the name of Jesus? You're not trying to be successful on your own anymore. You're not trying to achieve dreams and goals in your own might and power. You now have all of heaven backing you up. Isn't that awesome? So, I want to ask you all to just close your eyes for just a moment. Because I feel like for some of you, this is a divine appointment for you today on May the 14th to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And if you feel like God is speaking to you today, that it's time to rededicate your heart to Jesus, to call on him so you're not trying to be successful on your own anymore. Would you lift your hand and give me the honor of praying over you? I see hands. Yes, I see those hands going up all over the auditorium. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, how about we open our eyes and let's all say this prayer after me. I saw a lot of hands going up, so you know what? We're going to torment the devil right now. Did you know before I ever preach somewhere, I take a selfie in the hotel room and I send it to my mama. And I say, Mama, I'm going to go torment the devil. (laughs) We're about to do that right now, aren't we? Okay, so let's lift our hands. That's the sign of surrender. And let's just repeat this after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I declare Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for me. I ask you into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. And I declare today, May the 14th, is a new beginning. I make my dreams bigger than my memories. In Jesus' name. Amen. You did it. Thank you. Congratulations. 
I forgot the instructions. Maybe Pastor can tell you. Those of you who made Jesus the Lord of your life, he can explain what to do. I want to say how much I love y'all and appreciate your attention today. And I'll see you back there. Thank you. <laughs> what is your next step in your faith? Well, here at Church on the Rock, we would love to help you. Maybe it's to learn more about discovering what it means to belong to a church family, being part of a small group, or using your God-given gifts to serve others. Head over to cotr.org slash next steps where you can find out more to all of these. Or if you're a part of our online community, visit us at cotr.org slash online. Have a great week and don't forget that God is for you.